Welcome to the Anxiety Guys, the podcast of the emotional revolution. Real stories, real solutions, and real hope. Join the revolution. I'm your host, Nick Davis. And I'm Dan Jarvis. Welcome to another episode with the Anxiety Guys. Today we're here with the founder of Aerial Resupply Coffee, Mike Klemner. Uh, for those of you that uh, have not met him, you have definitely got to have a conversation with this guy. You got to check out his company. Uh, his coffee I have had ordered and I have it on uh, reoccurring order because not only do I like it, but the boss of the house, my wife, loves it. So today we're going to really dive into some stuff that's a lot deeper than just coffee or just anxiety guys, mental health stuff. We're going to definitely hit on all that. But one of the things that I found to be very impactful is the first conversation I had with Mike, you could tell he had the heart of a servant, somebody that wants to serve and have something, be a part of something bigger than just himself. He's not a, a, a me, I, I, I person. And I think when we started talking about the nonprofit that uh, Dan and I were uh, been so heavily involved with, 220.org, we just found a lot of commonality. So, um, Mike, I, I just want to say I, I really appreciate all the support that you've already given to us, but in general to our community, to the veterans, first responders out there, and the way that you handle yourself, your business, and your outlook and mindset. Anybody that actually digs into you a little bit, I think they're going to see uh, your core values, your true north, as I like to call it. And um, I think that we all can learn a lot from you. So thanks for being with us. Well, look, thanks for, thanks for having me. You know, when, when we first met and spoke, um, like you said, I think there was a lot of, there's an immediate connection between what we're both doing, even though we're on two different trajectories, at least business-wise, right? And at least what we're, we're trying to do. But I think at the end of it, um, what we came to realize is that this is all about support and all about empathy for a community that we all served that is all struggling with certain things. And while I'm, you know, attempting to do it with, you know, a beverage and coffee, you're attempting to do it by helping with mental health and helping, you know, actually fix some really critical issues inside people's minds. Um, at the, at the core of it, it's about support. And that's, that's awesome. So I'm happy to talk about all this. I think this is great. Good. Let's not put a time limit on it. I think this is going to be a, a really fun episode. This guy sitting right here, Dan, uh, all you need is him as a customer. If he's your customer, you don't even need anybody else to buy your coffee because the guy drinks coffee like like he actually might die if he doesn't have more of it. Every once in a while, he falls asleep and I just dump some water on his face because I need him to rehydrate. But Well, let me take a sip of my Moab double calf coffee. So. <laughs> Here's well, there you go. You should only really, I mean, honestly, if you drink more than one of those, something's probably wrong with you. I'm just kidding. No, that's actually. Wait, you um, know, Dan? <laughs> well, let me, so let me, let me tell you before we dive in, let me tell you the story of Moab. So when I was pretty much figuring out, you know, what roasts I wanted, I wanted a double calf roast. And so I had, I had it all done. I was getting ready to, to try it out. It was the middle of the day and my wife, or I'm sorry. So I, so I, I brewed up, I brewed it up drank a cup. I was like, this is pretty good. Got stuck on a phone call, went through that cup, went through another cup. About 30 minutes later, my wife calls and I, I was talking like the micro machine man. And she's like, what in the hell is wrong with you? And I'm like, what are you talking about? She's like, there's another, I'm, I had some coffee. She's like, whatever you drank, never drink it again. And, and so, I mean, I love it. Don't, don't get me wrong. I still drink it, but it, it is, um, it, it's like rocket fuel. I mean, it's like, you know, you, you, I have friends of mine who drink energy drinks, they drink uh, bang, you know, monsters, whatever. And 
they've all switched to Moab and they only drink one mug a day and they don't need all the rest of the stuff. So it's great. That is great. It's more like my pre-workout. So there you go. Pre-workout. I love it. So Mike, how long have you been doing the aerial resupply coffee? When did you start? Uh, I started August of 2021. So, so I, I, I retired from the military at the end of 2020. And I think like most of us who leave the service, you know, there's a little bit of a rudderless direction as we all try to figure out what we want to do in the next chapter of our lives. Uh, we're so used to kind of being told what to do that it's kind of weird to have the freedom to do whatever you want. Yep. And so, you know, I, I kind of, toy, I, you know, got a corporate job, kind of, you know, went back and went home, did a couple of things and didn't really find any fulfillment in it. And then I realized that what I wanted to do was start my own, I guess, side hustles, you want to, if you want to call it, but just start something, something that would re-energize what I wanted to do. I looked at the veteran owned business space and saw that there was nobody that was focused on the combat service support side. Like I was, everything is about Navy SEALs, special forces. It's all about the sexy stuff that goes into the movies. Not about guys driving 5,000 gallons of fuel down the road, but that's just as important. And so, you know, decided to do this. And in Afghanistan, you know, I was part of, you know, some of the teams that push stuff out the back of aircraft. And I thought it was a cool idea to bridge into a company design. So here we are. Beans and bullets, brother. Beans and bullets. That's right. Can't fight without them. That's right. Beans, bullets, and gasoline. That's the way I've, I've been told. Well, I was infantry, so we didn't need gasoline. No. Well, yeah, sometimes you did. Very sometimes. few, but yes. Yeah. <laughs> all right. All right. Just because I was going to wait on this one because I, okay. I was going to wait for the perfect moment. But Mike, I got a very important question for you that I think all of our listeners and viewers are going to want to know. Okay. You ready for it? Sure. Let's go. When was the first time while serving in the United States Army oh, that you-, you said, dang, I should have went in the Air Force? Uh, well, that would have been like day two. And so <laughs> like, like, let, let, let's, let's be real, man. Like, you know, th- there are some careers and some choices that you make at the time and you look back and you're like, man, I should have did that. But you know what? My dad and my brother were both Marines and I could never see myself on a boat. So I was like, well, I'm, you know, I, I, I want to have two feet on the ground. And so I'm going to go into the army. Air Force kind of looked at me and was like, yeah, you're not ready for us. And honestly, <laughs> like, I, even though, even though we joke about it, like the army has been very good to me over the last 20 years. And I would not looking back at it, I wouldn't have changed it. I love it. Uh, Dan, just so that everybody can hear this, we can capture it okay. on video and audio. Tell I'll, them your story. I'll tell my story. My, it. my Air Force story. Okay. I'm, I'm a young infantry soldier. I'm like 18 years old. And it was during the Panamanian elections. We were going to fly down into Panama from the 101st. They diverted us en route, and we go to Camp Lejeune to do a joint military operation with the Army, Navy, Air Force, and the Marines. And we're out. If anybody's ever been to Camp Lejeune, it's the sphincter of the planet with a bad case of hemorrhoids, right? Thickets, swampy, just nasty, right? And we're doing missions. We're coming back. We're going out. We're coming back. And we come across the tarmac, and we're walking back to our patrol base. And there's two Air Force dudes in those lounge chairs laying out in their underwear with suntan lotion on. And we're all walking by mother effer. And like, why in the hell did I join the army? Why am I not doing that right now? Cause I was young at that time. Anyways, that's my air force. There's, there's the key lesson for anybody that's not military that watches us work smarter, not harder. Well, that that's true. So let me say when I, my, uh, I had a chance to go to the service college when I got promoted from captain to, to major 
And so normally in the Army, you go to Leavenworth to go to CGSC out in Kansas. Um, somebody got the wild idea that they should send me to Montgomery, Alabama and go to the Air Force Command and Staff College. So I head down there and I'm like one of 40 Army guys in a sea of like, you know, 600 Air Force officers. And I'm watching what they do. And the, and the first time we were sitting in class at 1230 and somebody broke out a beer to just sit there while we were drinking <laughs> or while, while we were studying. I'm like, what? And they're like, yeah, this is like normal. I'm yeah. I chose wrong at that point. Like I knew then too, but I knew way back when. So it's all good, man. It's all good. Oh, I love it. I think it's so funny to look, you get on people's faces that haven't served when we get together and we start busting each other's chops. They're like, he said that. I can't believe he said that. Whatever. It's all good. Yep. So Mike, tell, tell us about where you see your company going. Cause obviously we love the brand. We have a lot of synergy uh, per- personally and professionally with what we're doing, how we're trying to serve our communities, but where do you, cause you're like a, you're like a one man gang right now. You're a one man wrecking crew. So where do you see your company in the next 12 to 24 months and how can we help you get there? Well, so let's, let, let's start. If, if you don't mind, I'll start a little bit backwards and then I'll, I'll, I'll answer that. So, you know, I started this. Um, really on a hope and a dream to be able to see what I could do. It was really an experiment to see what I could even get off the ground and what would be, what would resonate in the community and veterans and, and, you know, first responders, law enforcement, people who, you know, wanted to see um, kind of what I was bringing to the table, which was an empathy first support first style brand that wasn't about, weapons and wasn't about kind of the over the top marketing that kind of exists in the veteran space. And over the last two years, you know, I've grown, you know, my first year I, d- I did like, I think $10,000 in in sales. And it was one of these things in gross revenue. And it was one of these things where, you know, I was happy to just buy one bag, right? Like I wanted, I wanted one to go out the door. It would have been a success to me. I would have been like, Hey, I did it all right. Like, Hey, congratulations. Um, last year, low six figures, this year, I'm looking at high six figures and even potentially seven depends on what. So this is so where where I'm going with this and why I say that is because the 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 brand is resonating with people. The brand is resonating with a community that wants to see support forward, support first style leadership in a space where support doesn't really exist. and. So you asked, you know, where am I going in the next 12 to 24 months? So I'm I'm in the process now of figuring out how to really scale this thing and get it really off the ground so that I can hire veterans, so I can hire military spouses, so I can be in a, a fixture of employment here in the Virginia area, uh, but more importantly, uh, set the table for me to do some really big things with Aerial Resupply Coffee. Like I think I'm looking... You know, you you asked twelve to twenty four months down the road. You know, I think at the end of at the at the end of twenty four months, um, it it will be a an established. You know, ARC will be an established employer, uh, and will be really on the precipice of launching what I would call the next phase, which is not necessarily brick and mortar coffee, but more along the lines of a center that has coffee but also may have some other amenities that veterans might want to go to that's more of a community-based like third place style thing that we all know and love it's just not really happening 
in our communities for the for the the generation of vets that we are now. And so that's that's where I'm going. We'll yes. see. What you just said now that you perfect. When you and I talked, we talked about, and this is not to put any entity down, right? So yep. I'm not here to bash people. I think the one thing that I love about you is even on your site, it says, staying away from politics. We've got plenty of crap in our society today that can divide us all. No matter what you believe, it's like everybody's divided. How do we bring each other together? And you and I kind of got talking about um, the VFW, American Legion, and there, there's a lot of great people in those entities, but... We, you know, I served 97 to 01. Dan was in like 1947 and then got back in in the 80s. So, <clears throat> well, maybe not that long ago, but it was close. So my point where I'm going with this is it feels like I, I would I would say that most veterans don't quite resonate with that older school VFW kind of feel, right? Go in, have some beers, smoke some cigarettes, play some bingo. And when you said to me, I could literally picture in my head, entities where it's a coffee house, right? We're not centering around alcohol, especially with what we do with mental health, right? We're, you've already sent us some people that we've worked with and we're already shifting their, their, uh, fixing their funk, as I say it, or they're feeling the heel. Um, yeah. but imagine that, that coffee center type place where it's like, Hey, we get to come in and collaborate, talk about businesses, talk about life, talk about, you know, our struggles, our mental health, and we're doing it over coffee and common ground, like we're doing right now. You know, we're having coffee, we're talking to you. That community center type setup, when you were saying that, I was like getting goosebumps, man. I was I was pumped because I was like thinking, okay, we got the, the, you know, a couple of people, a couple of veterans or first responders that are trained in our processes in that local community. People are coming in and getting a coffee and be like, hey, man, I got some bad anxiety. Well, sit down. Let's uh let's walk you through our process and and it's to the brother or sister to the right or left of you that's wore the uniform. I don't know, man. I just feel it. I see it. And when you when you laid that out there for me, I got really excited. Well, let me let me say this. So you know, every generation going back, you know, every every military generation of war, right? So whether it's World War II, Korea, Vietnam, you know, if you want to throw Grenada and Panama in there before you know the whole Desert Storm thing, like everybody has their like gatekeeping that they that they want to do right I mean it's like my generation was harder than your generation and that's you know I don't it's more of a mindset and it's just because nobody you know nobody in you know any future war is going to understand what the OEF OIF generation went through not really I mean visually you can kind of see it in movies just like we don't really understand what the Vietnam guys went through just like they don't understand you know so it's fine right I get that but the non the, the the inclusion from older generations to younger generations is really something that I was not prepared for and doesn't just seem to be happening when I got out of the service. Okay. Like I was I was in some ways I was expecting to walk into the VFW and have people with open arms be like, Norm, you're here. Like, like, <laughs> yeah. you know, like welcome, like, let's have a beer. Come on, let's go. Right. I was that's what I was expecting. I was expecting to 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 have, you know, people kind of wrap their arms around you. As like, hey, you're one of us. Let's go. And what I've what I, and it's been the opposite, man. Like it's been, it's it's almost like we're a burden in some cases to some of these organizations because we're not falling in line with exactly the way that they want to do things. And great if they want to do that, then they're charting their path to being dying organizations, and that's that's their choice. And I don't want to be a part of that. Instead, I want to focus on. How do we build something that people want to come to, first of all? And then number two, 
How do we include all the World War II, the Vietnam, the Korea vets, all those people that are out there who don't want to do that? Like, come to us. That's fine. You know what? You don't want us to come to you. That's great. Come to us and let's change the narrative. And so that's that's my focus. Yeah, it's interesting you say that because I remember a conversation I had with officer with American Legion started twenty two zero, and one of the questions was I was asked how do we get the younger veterans to come in here, and my reply was get rid of the bingo, get rid of the pull tabs, get rid of the bar, get rid of the karaoke, get rid of the dance nights, and start bringing them around community. And they looked at me like, well, that's never going to happen. And I said, then you're never going to get the younger generation of vets because they're not into that type of lifestyle. Most of the younger vets today are wanting to be involved with like service projects, helping the community. They want a purpose. Right. They want a new, they want a new mission, and that mission doesn't sit around a bar at 10 o'clock in the morning. Well, we also, you know, the... the Man, there's a bunch of veteran organizations that popped in my head, but like sitting around a campfire, sharing our commonality, talking about our yeah. families, you know, how, how do we, that community, it, it definitely. But the, here's the thing though. I think we can help facilitate that shift because it's going to have to happen because the, the generation that's running it right now is, is, is the Vietnam era generation. They've only got a few years left and they're going to be pulling out of those organizations because they're not going to have the, the bandwidth to do it. So we, we either got to step up and help them restructure or pivot and start our own. I, I think, it, well, if we start our own, we just do the opposite. You know, as we build this out, what this is or becoming, we include them. <laughs> we let them know. I mean, we've worked with a lot of Vietnam vets, Dan and I have on the mental health space. And they, man, those poor guys, it's what they've gone through. I mean, think about what we went through. And then you come back and not only do you come back from all that crap, but now people hate you. Right. They're spitting on you. all the crap they went through. And then you have decades of struggling with the VA, you know, whether it's getting your benefits, not being told what your benefits are. Hey, I need some help with mental health. Well, good luck. Go get an appointment in six months, which a lot of our era is dealing with that. I actually did a um, interview yesterday in the war room and they were talking about the VA and I, I kind of went sideways. I wasn't getting into the politics of any of it, but what I, I shared with them was that's exactly where Dan's head was at when he was like, look, we're going to, we're going to take it from 22 to zero. And I was like, good luck with that. You're crazy. Meanwhile, he has PTSD. Here we are five years later, thousands and thousands of veterans healed because we're standing in that gap. You don't need to go to the VA. Excuse me. You don't need to go to the VA. You don't need to go to your doctor. You can come to us. If you wore that uniform, you come to 22 zero and we will heal you, your spouse and your minor children that are living in the home. And we don't need your social security number. It's not going to get reported. You're not going to lose benefits, but we are, we are going to, he we're here to serve you and help you. And I think it's been tough for some of those Vietnam vets to go, wow, these guys are actually here to help. And I don't have to relive and talk about, this is different. They're, they're very cagey when they cut, they're like, this might sound stupid, but when I go fishing and I'm like on a trout stream, I'm like, Ooh, water's up a little bit. I'm going to go after a big brown trout today. You know, those, those lunkers that, that they're wise, right. And you're not going to just trick them by throwing some stupid lure in there. That's the Vietnam vets. They're like, they've seen it. They've had it all thrown at them. They've been there. They've done that. And it, it's, it's, I would say I feel so rewarded when it's either a world war two vet, which is very few of those that we get to work with now, but the Vietnam vets and the older folks, because I feel like it starts bringing them more into our community. And I think that that's how we have to look at it. If we're going to lead that charge, how do we, we bring everybody together in that way? Well, you're going to have some people who are just going to be resistant to it in general. Right. I mean, right. I think, I think what we've seen, what I, you know, to your guys's point, like, you know, people get out and they're rudderless. They don't really have a purpose. They don't have a mission. 
But, you know, I think at the core of it, everybody just wants to do good for somebody else, right? I mean, I think, you know, unless you're inherently selfish and, you, you know, if, if you want to call 10% of the, of the veteran population, the bottom, you know, the bottom 10% and the upper 10% as they're not going to participate, then fine. But the 80% in the middle want something like this. I I, I truly believe that. I, I believe they want, you know, a place where they feel connected um, and they don't feel disconnected from society. I feel like they they want a place where they're understood inherently. Like we're like just be entering the building means I'm understood because I'm in a place where other people understand what I've done, right? Um, in a place where it's non-judgmental, where it's not about, you know, well, you weren't in my war, or you know, you weren't you know, this, like you can just be. And I think those things. Like I like if you want to talk like where's the gap? Like you guys are fighting in the gap of mental health, but there is a gap of just connectedness that just doesn't exist. And like I don't know how much you guys are are readers. Um, you know, there's a book, there's a couple books that I like, but one of the book one of the books that really hits home for me is a book called Old Man's War. And it's about people who go off and fight and they come back and society they change, but society doesn't. And it every time they come back, it's more and more foreign. It's more and more like I'm coming, like where I am is where I'm supposed to be, like when I'm fighting. But when I come back, it's like I'm coming to an alien culture. And that's not far from the truth. I mean, in some cases, for some people, not all of us, but some. And so whatever we can do to to build something around that, like I'm all for it. Like I think that's that's where it needs to go. Yeah, it's funny you talk about that because you're looking at these the younger generation that are coming back that are going to college. They're coming, they're going to school, and they're finding these safe spaces on campus. That's a foreign idea to them because their safe space was in a bunker or in a fighting position or right. or in a guard tower. And it's hard for them to interact with people in that that space. Um and like, you know, military transition is probably one of the most difficult things for the younger generation to deal with because for such a long time, the rudder was going north, right? They knew their mission. They knew where they had to be, when they had to be, what they had to wear. And then they come home and they're alone, they're isolated. And you add the emotional aspect. And I used to always say that we always want to go back to the war because we feel normal over there, right? We come home and we feel like a fish out of water, you know, and especially if the brain's hardwired into that fight or flight because of trauma. So yeah, it's a, it's a tough time for, for these transitioning vets right now. Well, I think, yeah, I think there's a lot, there's a lot to that. I, you know, I think one of the considerations is, you know, not everybody's like that, right? Like, so, I mean, there, there are a few people, you know, there are people who've never deployed or people who've gone in and come out and they're just fine. But the, the, I, you know, I think having a place or having a, having a goalpost of a third place for veterans, that's not based on this idea of alcohol. Mm-hmm is something that needs to exist. 100% agree. Having having a place or having a purpose. You know, it's like so you know, I don't I don't, you know, always talk about my competitors, but I I will in this instance. So, you know, like you know, if you if you look in the coffee world, you know, obviously Black Rifle is the big dog in the room, right? Like everybody like they were very successful. They pushed forward. They actually made an offhanded statement a couple of years ago that they threw on their website where they were like, "Well, we're just going to hire 10,000 veterans." Like that's our goal. Somebody asked them what their plan was. And so they threw on their website, our plan is to hire 10,000 vets. And, you know, I think, I think there was a kind of a, um, 
like a snicker moment where people were kind of laughing at that. Like, how are you planning on doing that? And they've gone, you know, they're pretty big now. I think they're up to like 700 employees and and they're, they're, you know, continuing to truck along. But like, I think, you know, I'm not going to put a number on it because like my goal is to remain veteran owned forever. Like it's never to be a public company where they can't even say they're veteran owned anymore. They can say they're veteran founded, but they don't even own their own company. Like that's a shareholder public space. And for me, it's like, yeah, this is something that I want to be veteran owned, owned by veterans, run by veterans, run by their families. Like that's, that's the, that's the key to all of this is, you know, when we talk about support at the very beginning, you know, the family nucleus and spouse, children, that's the support structure. We all want to say, well, like in the army, like Dan, you know, this. like in the army, everybody says, yeah, NCOs are the backbone of the army. NCOs are what make the army tick. No, it's the family that makes the army tick and allows all the boys and girls to go play army and do what they want so that we do what the nation has while everybody back here keeps the fort down. And that's like, you want to talk about recognition, like that's where you need to go. I know it's kind of like my topic kind of went like this, but I think it's important to understand that, you know, people coming out of the military have that support or they don't, but where do they go? Where do they go next to get support? It's not TAP. It's not to another employer. It's not to an organization that exists to simply, um, you know, serve them a beer and say, congratulations, come play bingo. It's where do they go to feel connected? And that's, that's where I'm headed. That's where, and that's what I want to, I want to see. I love it. Gets me pumped up. I want to have some coffee and I want to, I want to, I want to see it. I can vision it in my head. Mike, let's take it for a second, kind of back to uh, your coffee. Tell me a little bit about yeah. like, what is your favorite brand and uh, the spring kitty? How the hell did you come up with that name? Spring kitty. So my favorite roast out of what I'm doing now is um i actually i'm actually falling in love with 15w40 which is my dark italian roast right so i'll tell you so so i had a i had a friend well so as a logistics officer one of the things that i was that i was required to do in the army was you know make sure that everybody had you know beans bullets gasoline but also to make sure people's equipment was fixed and some of the hardest working people that never get any recognition in fact they get crapped on more than anybody are the mechanics because they're the ones that at two in the morning are still out there fixing gear so that it'll work at six in the morning when somebody else needs it. And those people who are, you know, who are waiting to use it at six in the morning are in their bed sleeping. Like they're not out there doing it. So I built 15W40 and branded it that way as a nod to all the mechanics and the fact that army coffee sometimes look like motor oil, but for the most part, it's like, let's do that. So that's my favorite. I love it. It's um, 100% Colombian Supremo. So it's it's not this bitter, acidic aftertaste. It's actually got, it's, you know, it's my darkest coffee. I love it. Um, How's it compared spring, to Spectra? So Spectra is a, Spectra is a, um, is a blend. It's not a single origin bean. So what you have, so in Spectra you have, so, and I roast it as an espresso so that it's got a little bit of a, of that, americano flavor and that a little bit of um so it's it, the the beans that are in it it's not just 100 colombian supremo it's got some uh, some sumatra it's got some um african beans and some ethiopian beans in it so what it does is it gives it um a little bit of a different kick 
right? Okay. But it's not, I mean, it's, it's just as dark, but it's not as dark. I mean, but 15W40 by far is the darkest. And it's the one that, like I said, I, I love it. Um, you spoke Spring to me. Spring Kitty. All right. Sorry. Oh, well, you spoke to me when you brought up the maintainers, mechanics. Yeah. Because I was F-16 crew chief when I was in the Air Force. Yeah. And when you said those guys at two in the morning, I, if you were mechanically one of the guys that would get shit done, like it's it's going to get done. It's swing shift. It's night shift. You're, you're working. And then third shift was doing servicing. I was the guy that the majority of the time I was on the swing shift. Um, I did some day shift launching aircraft, looking pretty in front of the plane and all that, shaking the commander's hand. But the reality was most of the time you're changing engines, gear, tires, you name it. You're, you're out there in the middle of the night. And uh, I was thinking a good name for your next coffee might be jet fuel. Anyhow. So go ahead with spring kitty. Hey man. No, no, I, I love it. <laughs> you know, you know, one of the things with 50, with 15 W 40 is it's also a nod like out of all my, all out of all my, roasts and, and brands it's it's a nod to the people who work behind the scenes that get zero recognition yeah right it's like i tell you know the anecdote that i say to people is you know well last year's super bowl there were 106 players on the field they all deserve what they what what they did to get there there's probably 30 to forty thousand people that made that super bowl successful and not one of them got recognition beyond the fit the 106 players on the field but they're just as important to what they did what happened on that you know, on the, on that day. And that's a lot of what happens in the military, right? Like the combat arms guys get a lot of the glory because, you know, everybody wants to talk about battles with, you know, first cav or 82nd airborne or 101st and what these guys do great Americans and everything they do is valuable. Everything that, you know, they should get the glory because, you know, they're the ones that are actually slinging lead down range, right? They can't do what they can do without the service support guys. We all know it. We all give each other crap about it but it's it's the it's the actual nod outside of the military that i think the community the the that the united states and the americans don't necessarily understand because they all just think it's like well everybody's a trigger puller like every (laughs) every marine is a rifleman right it's like that that style of of understanding i mean my wife didn't understand it until i did it um but that's so that's why 15w40 out of all of them is the one that i love but it's and because of what it where my nod is going towards on it. I like how um, you explained it. I appreciate it. Cause I actually am going to go order some now. I, we've tried all the brands except for that one and spring yeah. kitty. So why don't you hit us up on spring kitty? Tell us a little bit about all that. All right. So, so about probably about a year into actually it wasn't even a year, about three months into my, about three months into my business holidays were getting ready to come up, come around. My daughter had seen what I was doing and she's like, dad, dad, you know, I want to sell my art. Can, do you think somebody would buy my art? And I was like, yeah, I can make that happen. So I was like, what do you want to do? She's like, well, I don't know. Can I just draw a picture? Fine. So she drew this picture and what it was, it was a Christmas tree and a cat, a little, a little cat, a little Christmas tree. She redesigned my logo. So it was like an elf descending from the sky with a cup of coffee. And that became Christmas kitty. Right. And Christmas kitty is my holiday roast. It's, you know, vanilla, caramel, dark rum. Um, it's only out in the holiday season. Sometimes it makes an appearance throughout the year. Phenomenal reception. Phenomenal, right? The fact that, you know, my daughter is involved in this is incredible because, it you know, we all want our kids to be successful, but we also want military. We like what, you know, military kids have a problem because they always get drug around everywhere, right? So, like, so I brought her into the fold and I was like, all right, you want to do this? Let's go. So 
Christmas Kitty was great. Spring Kitty came around because I looked at her and I said, do you want to keep selling your art? And she goes, I do. Here you go. Like, it wasn't like I had said, I had to say to her, go draw something else. She already had it ready to go. She's Love like, it. here it is. And I was like, and so we, we toyed around with names um, of what we wanted to name the, the, the roast. And it just felt natural to, because she loves cats to stay in the kitty realm and just create some seasonal roasts and some flavored coffees that she gets to do. So it's really her line of coffee. I just facilitate it all. I love and it. So it's, it's, um, but I love it. I think it's, it, you know, Christmas kitty is my favorite spring kitty is a close second on the flavored coffee side. And if you've never had spring kitty cold brewed, then you're completely missing out. Cold brewed. That sounds good. Especially living in Georgia. What's your daughter's name? Mara. Mara. So yeah. if I order some, can I get a autographed bag from Mara? Yeah, I can make that happen. Yes. <laughs> I can do that. She, she would love, she would love to do that. I'd love it too. I think it'd be awesome, man. That, that uh, gets me. How old is she? She's 10. She's 10. So she, um, you know, and, and like, you know, someday, I don't know if, you know, I think as a, every parent, you're like, Hey, I want to build something that my kids take over. And, you know, the family business keeps going, man, I don't know what she wants to do. Uh, you know, hopefully, you know, she'll go change the world in her own right. And if this is, you know, something she wants to be a part of, then great. And if not, that's okay too. I love it, man. Teach him young. That's right. So if we can ask you to dive in for a second on when uh, you kind of saw what we were doing with 220 and what Dan and I are doing now with anxiety guys. Um, I mean, I, and just for everybody that's, that might be new to our podcast, cause you're, you're coming to check out Mike and his awesome coffee. Uh, Dan and I were tied at the hip with 220.org and it was all about standing that gap for veterans, first responders. We have processes that rapidly heal post-traumatic stress anxiety, other negative emotions, um, deep sadness, anger, guilt, et cetera. You can see it all on the website. The, the thing that we found, our big goal was to create something that could stand on its own and work ourselves out of a job. Dan said this a million times. I've said it. Uh, we want to become irrelevant as a nonprofit. We train enough of our veterans, first responders, and that community is now able to heal itself without any outsider. That's amazing. And we loved it. But five years of having this superpower, because obviously what we do works. Otherwise our veteran community of first responders would have roasted us like a good bag of spring kitty and, mm -hmm. um, put us on ice. However, uh, what we do works worked with thousands of vets and, uh, and it's like, you think that money would fall from the trees, not for us, but to get others trained and finally, it was like, you know what? We have so many civilians asking for help, needing help. And that's a, it's, there's more civilians with trauma, anxiety. You walk into a restaurant, I go, who's got anxiety? And like 15 hands pop up. And usually the response we get, Dan, am I wrong? Well, who doesn't have anxiety? Right. Right. And that's why we went with the name anxiety guys, because if we said we were the PTSD guys or something, most people will go, I don't have trauma. I don't have PTSD. And then we spend five minutes talking to them. And then we, we identify two, three, four different traumatic events in their life. And they're like, holy crap, I didn't even know that. So right. our goal, our mission with Anxiety Guys was to build a brand and build something that people understood. You can heal from these things. You do not need to go to therapy. And I'm not bashing on therapy. 
because it's right. it's good in spaces. But with specifically trauma, anxiety, depression, those negative emotions, we get to the root of the problem, we disconnect it, you go about your life. Now, the value, a lot of times people will say to us, you know, um, it's two to three sessions for most people. And the value there is measurable. We'll ask people, what, what do you think it would be worth? They're like, man, I couldn't even put a price tag on this. If I knew I could feel this good, I think, Dan, would you say 15 grand you said you would have given the guy? Yeah, I think it was like 10 grand. 10 grand, whatever. Dan's cheap. That's all I had in my bank account. But think about that. All the money he had in his bank account, I'll give it to you if you can get rid of this PTS in my head. Yeah. So our idea, our, our thought was, okay, we start this and we can fund our now, at least for the all the administrative costs, right? The salaries, any expenses. So that way, the profit that we're making, which it's okay to make a profit in your business. And obviously we have a, a great tool and resource that, that we um, that people get, but some of that profit's going to take care of those expenses. Cause if we can make 22 zero neutral with cost, any other veteran civilian first responder that donates money, their money is 100% going to the mission. Here you go. Here's a hundred dollars. Great. A veteran just got healed. Cause that's what we pay our coaches at 22 zero to work right. with, um, other vets or first responders. And obviously it costs more than that to do it, but that's what they get paid and, and the nonprofit subsidizes that. So the reality is we're trying to create that, that awareness and a microphone, even what you shared. And I can't tell you how much I appreciate it personally, the, the sharing on LinkedIn, there's been so many people reach out and a lot of good conversations. I guarantee you, you've already saved a couple lives with, with just putting that out there. And I don't think people truly understand that, that simply sharing what we do is unbelievable as it is, you're going to save a life. How, how many times is that? Can we can't even count it now. Right. No, I've, I've run people through the process and they're like, if you hadn't done that, I probably wouldn't be here anymore. You know? And, and that's hard to hear. Cause you're like, you know, we had one of our coaches and she did the live demo on our, on the trauma piece, army veteran, mom, wife, and massive trauma at a very early age that she didn't think she was ever going to be able to part ways with. And then we did the follow-up emotions training the next Saturday. She was a different human being. And when we were all saying our goodbyes, she goes, Dan, thank you. I said, for what? If you hadn't run that last week, I wouldn't have been here today because she'd already had a plan. She was a mom, a wife, and now she just gave birth to another baby. Yeah. Well, what you guys are doing is phenomenal. And let me, let me say this. So I've, I've, I've run across... I think like you guys, multiple organizations and multiple people, and they're all good people, right? At the heart of it, they're all good people that are all trying to help in their own way. But I'm not doing 22 push-ups to raise awareness for this, right? And I think that's performative. I don't think that that's an actual execution model that fixes human beings and fixes some of these people that we have, you know, we used to serve with, you know, somewhere, right? And when, you know, Nick, when you and I talked, you know, it was the first time that anybody in living in this space has ever talked about, here's what works and here's what we do and here's how it works, right? Everybody will say to me, you know, the people who I've, I've spoke to are like, well, you know, we're going to, we're going to reduce, we're going to reduce it this way. Okay. But I think, but at the core of it, I feel like what, what some of these organizations out there try to do is just create a business model to be self-sustaining in the same way that the VA is self-sustaining in the exact same way that we spoke about earlier, where 
the VA doesn't want to shift towards your guys's model because it'll put people out of business, right? And here's what, and you guys are saying, we don't want to be in business. We we would prefer that this isn't a problem. We go off and do other things. And that's a much different mission and a much different message than what most people will ever hear. So like when I heard it, I was like, okay, that's, that's, that's enough for me. And I think that, you know, and I have sent a couple of people your guys' direction because of what, you know, even our initial phone call was. Um, and I'm thankful that you guys, you know, obviously embrace them and then work through, work with them to do what you need to do. But I'm, I'm happy to keep sharing what's going on here. I think what you guys are doing is phenomenal. And uh, even in my small part, even, even just this, like this podcast and just talking to you guys and, you know, I, you know, happy to be associated with, with, you know, 220 org. I mean, really, I am happy to be doing. We appreciate you, man. I think that uh, something that's got me excited is really thinking about the, like a community center type setup. I want to keep collaborating with you and talk to Dan about it. And maybe the three of us kind of keep a vision on what that looks like. Cause one of our idea, you know, one of our goals is to create treatment facilities around the country, but maybe our treatment facility isn't that standard treatment facility, the way you see it, especially in the, the veteran space, it's a community center, not a treatment center or however we, we brand it, um, word it. And it, it's all about bringing people together. Not, um, not the, 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 the welcome to the suck kid, sit down and grab a beer. It's a, Hey yeah. man, welcome home. Let's all, connect together and, and, you know, us band of brothers. Well, I don't know about you, but I'm, I'm, I'm really tired of this appointment based system that we all have to go through to the VA or whatever that says, Hey, I need help. Great. I'll see you in October. Like, <laughs> right. What? I mean, come on. Mm-hmm. And, you know, yeah, there's emergency lines and all this other stuff that, that say we're going to help you. But re- in reality, we all know that if you need to go to the doc or you need to talk to somebody or whatever, you know, insurance by itself is a nightmare. I'm not even going to get into that. You know, there, there's got to be something. And what I would prefer is, you know, like, I like, like in the back of my mind, I'm already thinking about how do I employ a mental health professional as part of aerial resupply coffee? Like, how do I do that? Right. Because it's not, I mean, you guys probably have the answer, but I'm just saying like, like, like in the back of my mind, I'm like, okay, great. So I run a community center. I have somebody who's operating it. I have a, you know, I have all these little ancillary things. And then I got somebody who I'm paying to do nothing more, but hang out and wait for vets to come in and just be a friend. Like they don't even have to, it's not even like, Hey, you're going in to have actual counseling. Maybe that's what spawns from it, but it's just somebody sitting there who's, you know, like the door greeter at Walmart. But instead of it being just, you know, Hey, I'm going to check your receipt to make sure you're not stealing anything. It's, Hey, come on in, you know, who are you? What are you, you know, just trying to be, you know, trying to connect with somebody that to me is worth more and worth the price of admission. If it brings somebody into, into a space where they feel like this is where I want to be. You, you, you're speaking the language of uh, uh, somebody that I'd say that Dan, and I can call a friend now, Andy Wilson. He's the CEO of quiet professionals. If you're not connected with him on LinkedIn, I would really suggest um, that he is a servant leader. He's the kind of guy that cares about his people. He does a lot. Like I literally can kind of, I feel that same energy from you when you're speaking that way. Uh, Dan and I went down to talk to him to have a coffee. Uh, We drove eight hours to have coffee with with Andy. And there's a longer story I won't share today, but um, we helped one 
one woman that showed up in an event that was in a really bad way, not knowing who she was, how she's connected. Well, she walked us right up to Andy. I didn't know who Andy was. And she's like, Hey, these guys can heal PTSD. And he was like, Whoa. Well, from that moment, I'm like, we'll never hear from him. He reached out, set up coffee. So he's, he thought we were living right in the Tampa area. So we drove down, we have coffee and he's like, wait, you guys drove eight hours just to have a coffee with me. Like it could save a life. And he was like, okay, he was very intrigued with 220, but he was also like, what's the bigger picture, right? Cause a nonprofit can only do so much. What are you guys? What? And so we talked to him about anxiety guys. What was it, Dan? Like 10 hours later, we had worked with eight of his employees and his job. Like they were like, what just happened? Right. Cause eight people that were struggling in big ways. And I, I won't share all their stories. I don't have the time for it, but we walked out, signed a contract with Andy and his team. And anxiety guys is contracted with quiet professionals. And we've probably worked with what, 30 or 40 employees now. Cool. Awesome people. And the word around that company is like, these guys are, it's crazy what they do. It's so funny. And then slowly more employees that keep reaching out. So when you say that, that's what I envision. Somebody that's in our skill set that's like, okay, yeah. You, I mean, it doesn't have to be a contract with us. And I'm not trying to make this about business. But what I'm getting at yeah, is, is there's, there is companies that we're contracted with that are actively doing this because every, every company or they understand, look, there's a lot of people struggling right now and and the better you sleep and the clearer your mind is, the better your family life is, the better you are at work, the better you operate, the better you perform and the better the mission gets done. And look, what you're saying is phenomenal. And that's exactly what I think needs to happen. I would take it a step further and make it forward facing to the public. And that's the difference, Right. Like I, I'm not, you know, hands down to what you guys are doing internal to a company is great because it takes care of the people inside of a company, but the people who walk into a coffee shop are there to get coffee. They're there to hang out. They're there to do whatever. They may not be affiliated with ARC, which is fine. They may love what my brand is and what I'm going to do and everything else. But I want to offer that as a, to anybody. It doesn't even matter if they have to be associated with the military. It could be somebody you know, it could be my daughter, for example. It could be it could be my daughter's friend, right? It could be somebody who she knew that has something else and just through a chance coincidence conversation with somebody gets help. Right. That to me is worth where I'm taking this. And I'm glad, I'm really thankful that we connected. Like I, you know, like I do outreach on LinkedIn all the time, right? And I think, you know, sometimes I don't even know who I'm outreaching to. I, I look at, you know, I, that's not true, but, you know, I, I'm I'm always a big believer that people come into your life, you know, that you've heard the phrase reason, season, or lifetime, right? Like I think, you know, there's there's always, you know, you're you're right where you're supposed to be, but you're meeting people when you're supposed to meet them. Thankful I met you guys at this time because I feel like where I'm going, what you guys are doing, the things that you have talked about at, you know, in April of 2023 is the right time for this to start. Hopefully five years from now, we look back and we're like, what have we done? Like this is, it's, it's something that maybe we didn't know at the time would be this. And maybe we were all talking, you know, pipe dreams and, you know, big picture stuff that we weren't sure how to get there. But I got a feeling in 2028, we're going to look back at what we started and realize how far we came. Amen to that. So if somebody wants to get in touch with, with Mike Klemner, how do they do it? Well, so it's easy. I mean, you can go on my website, and aerialresupplycoffee.com. If you go to the inquiries tab, every email comes to me. I am my own customer service. Um, you can find me on LinkedIn. And if you send me a message, I will answer your message. 
Um, email is info at aerialresupplycoffee.com. And you can find me on all social media. I am the social media manager for my for everything you see. So if you message me or DM me, you're getting me. You're not getting anybody else. I love it. So Mike, easy, easy way to get in touch with me. Mike Clemner, the one man gang. <laughs> you know, well, for now, someday, someday, hopefully not. But for now, it is all me. And I'm going to, before uh, Dan and I give our stuff here, I, what I want to share is if you are listening to this and you're not following Mike, uh, especially on LinkedIn, because that's pretty much the only social media I do, you're missing out. And I'm not saying that because we've connected and we have synergy and, and definitely um, a lot of rapport. It's you're really good at what you do and you're very authentic. And I'm very much a no BS person. Like what you see is what you get. Sometimes it's my fault because I'm like, look, here's the brass tacks, take it or leave it. At least you know where I stand because trust is huge for me. And I, you built a ton of trust in me right off the bat. I see you do it with other people on LinkedIn. It's genuine. And I very much have the feeling that if we had connected and you're like, I don't agree with the direction you're going or you don't, you're not necessarily going to judge me, but you'll be like, all right, well, good luck. And you're going to, you're going to go to where you need to go. And I think that you say it without saying it. You, you just do a phenomenal job with that, with your brand. And, uh, you know, I feel like every time I talk to you, I learn a little something. So, um, I don't know about Dan, but I, I'm, I really appreciate it, man, that you came on the show. And, um, if any of you are looking uh, to get a hold of Dan or I, you're feeling you're struggling with mental health uh, as far as trauma, anxiety, depression, negative emotions, you can get us at anxietyguys.com. Uh, if you are a veteran or a first responder, you can go there too, because there is a tab that says veteran first responder, and that will redirect you directly to 220.org. That's 22zero.org. We do not uh, want your money with what we're doing. If you've worn that uniform, you've sacrificed, you can get help uh, almost immediately by going to 220.org. If you are a civilian, it's like, I need this for me, anxietyguys.com. And I'm Nick at anxietyguys.com. I'm Dan at anxietyguys.com. And this is going to be a great episode. I can't wait to get out there, everybody. Mike, thanks so much, man. We really appreciate you and all you're doing. Absolutely, man. Thanks for having me. All right, buddy. We'll talk to you. If you or somebody you know is struggling, have them reach out to anxietyguys.com. I'm Dan at anxietyguys.com, or you can reach Nick at anxietyguys.com. Come join the emotional revolution so you too get to feel the heal.